Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, The Brian, back from being sick. Well, holy f***ing titballs, Batman. <laughs> I'm finally back on the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Like, it's been almost a month. Pretty much, yeah. Wait, you still live here? <laughs> Apparently. Oh, cool. Somehow I pulled that off. Sweet. Yeah, you were sick as could be for a while there, bro. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Also with us, the other other co-host, Joe. There are two types of people in this world. Those at the end of the rope and those who do the cutting. <laughs> also with us, we have back the admin. Hello. And then Pinku. The Brian has a pink cane. He does. Do, yeah. you, do you desire this cane? I don't know. <laughs> she could beat several people with that. It'd be a lot of fun. It has a longer reach than my bat, which is pink. <laughs> and then we uh, with us again, of course, Neuro. Hello, people. And we have a special guest today. We have Charles. Now, Charles is a leadership coach, and he wanted to come in and help us out with this subject of today, which is how does a creative person fit their creative projects into their life and not have it muscle out everything else? And also, how do they make the creative project successful in the midst of still having a life and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's actually surprisingly hot. Well, not that surprisingly, but it's a very much a hot topic and a very passionate topic for most creative individuals, professional or otherwise. And, and uh, don't forget burnout and burn. Yeah. All, there's basically all that sort of stuff. It's something that we want to been, been wanting to talk about and been on my mind a lot. I wrote an article about it on the site a little while ago and, I actually reached out to a lot of people and got 12 emails back from comic creators that we've spotlighted on the, on the podcast. Oh, sweet. So we'll, uh, we've got full emails to go through, and uh, some of them I'll actually read in their entirety, and some of them they're just some really good nuggets here and there that I wanted to talk about. So it'll be really interesting to hear some, some real live comic creators and their various different ideas and, and thoughts about the subject. And honestly, there's a, there's a, lot, of, a lot of commonality here and there, so it's, it's kind of nice to know that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, but first, as always, a little housekeeping. First up on housekeeping, some exciting news. We officially are going to have another comic posting on Pandamanga.com. Yay! Yay! For a while, I've been speaking with Brad, and Brad is the artist and creator of the Narwhal Knight. <laughs> and you can go to narwhalnight.com and check out his stuff. It is a hilarious comic, has a little bit of a Scott Pilgrimy sort of flavor. And is really well drawn, very, very funny. It's been going on for a little while now. And we're going to repost Scott's older material at double speed until we catch up with him. And then we'll be posting his most recent stuff along with him, get him a little more exposure, share him with our fans and our, our viewers, and just really excited to have him be part of the Panamanga community. Very exciting. Totally. And then also, in also comic news, we have another comic that's going to be posted on the site. Marcus Clausen of Mallow Man. Uh, we've been talking at the Comic Creator Meetup over at Waterfront Comics. Of course, obligatory Waterfront Comics. Oh, yes. <laughs> Waterfront Comics in Sassoon, California. The number one comic spot ever. No, the... Uh, <laughs> also, with the podcast now. Yes, yes. That was point three. Thanks for jumping ahead. No problem. That's what I do. <laughs> no, but uh, I've been speaking with, with Marcus about Malaman. He's coming up with a issue four. Very excited about that. It's, I think, at the printers now, last I talked to him. Also, that was the last thing we reviewed. Yes, Milo Man issue one was the last thing that we reviewed. So if you're up to date on things, it was episode 51, talked about Milo Man. Very, very cool. It's a very lot of fun. And talk about huge jumps in improvement in, in really every way each time a new issue comes out. So issue four is light years ahead of issue one. And issue one was really enjoyable. Oh, yeah. so, so if you are intrigued by our review of issue one, it'll soon be on the site. 
Issue one will soon be on the site. Absolutely. We'll be re- releasing it. All of the details haven't been figured out. We're in the paperwork process. Oh, paperwork. Yes, but it's a pretty quick paperwork Malibu process. hates paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very excited, and Marcus is just a really great guy, and we're glad to be helping him get a little bit more of a web presence and a little more buzz as he moves into releasing issue four of Mallow Man. Now, Brian, why don't you go ahead and take it away, or maybe Joe, somebody, talk about the revamp of waterfrontcomics.com and the new podcast over there. Well, waterfrontcomics.com is now back up and running with a surprisingly in-depth website going from the last one that hadn't been updated for almost two years. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) I looked at the comics list that he had on it every once in a while. I'm like, wow. That Those were the days. Died a while ago. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> well, maybe they're bringing them back. No, yeah, they oh, they always bring them back. Yeah, nobody, exactly. Nobody ever really dies in no. the comics. So yeah, so there's a new website, new website, complete with blog, um, issue updates. Every yeah, week. so so the the new comics and merchandise that'll be coming in every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, and John is actually going to post a blog about that every single time. So you can go to the website and click on New This Week in the top bar and find out what's coming next week and a brand new podcast starring two familiar voices yes. three familiar well, voices three familiar voices yes yeah, so. oh justin <laughs> yes. yes three very familiar voices and our good friend john from waterfront comics well yeah, technically so. john's been on a couple of quickie reviews has john's he been on some quickie reviews he hasn't been on an actual geek life podcast hopefully mm-hmm. we'll change that someday so yeah the 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 team is justin woods from askametalhead.com myself and joe as well as John Harder of WaterfrontComics.com. And it's actually really a bunch of fun, because we here on the Geek Life Podcast focus mostly on independent comics. And that is not at all what we're doing over there. I mean, we did do a webcomic, but it's written by Greg Rucka, so that's hardly independent, (laughs) you know, as far as like self-published little tiny indie independent, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the idea is that because the podcast is through WaterfrontComics.com and in support of the shop, we are going to be reviewing things that you could come into the shop and check out. So, you know, something's been coming out with issues for a little while and the new trade paperback for the first, you know, three, four, five issues are coming out soon. We're going to go ahead and talk about it. Something time relevant, like we're about to record something about Wolverine because Wolverine's coming out at the time of this recording in just about two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we recorded one about Pacific Rim and Godzilla just the other day. So whether it's time relevant to the releases of movies and whatnot, or whether it's just an exciting new thing that's coming out soon that's going to be available in the store, or if you're not local, your own local comic book store, we will be talking about some more mainstream comics. And it's actually kind of fun to to jump around and really cover all bases like yeah, that. I Until I started force-feeding you comics, JP, <laughs> I had no one to talk comics with. And now I have everyone to talk comics there is so it's, much yeah it's, it's been my devious plan all along it um sure yeah. <laughs> following my old playbook always have an evil ulterior motive for doing whatever you do absolutely it, it, thank you master <laughs> you're welcome it's actually really amazing because not only do we have joe who's just an old comic geek and has been doing comic not that you're old but you've been doing comics <laughs> Thanks, being a comic geek for a long time <laughs> no but john uh joe is a long time comic fan i'm a more recent comic fan as well as justin and then there's john who is the comic king Mm. (laughs) he will be talking about something and he'll pull some random fact out of thin air that's so obscure that gives him so much geek cred (laughs) that's just like damn it's just really neat to 
be in a group like that where there's a really big cross section of different people and different levels of familiarity with the medium and especially just to be hanging around John because damn that guy knows so much about comics. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just amazing. I can feel my geek cred rising every time I get within like five <laughs> feet of him. <laughs> yeah, so. I can name probably, you know, a dozen writers and artists and what they've worked on through the years. But you can ask John about any writer or artist. He's and a he comic Like the entire catalog of their work it's It's phenomenal ridiculous so you can go to waterfrontcomics.com click on the podcast link and download the first podcast by the time that this comes out the second one will either be out or will be coming out tomorrow which will be thursday so and that one's really a lot of fun and you know we're still kind of feeling our way around how the podcast is going to go structure wise and everything i did actually talk to tiger paw from AirPlus Recordings, and he has given me the thumbs up to start putting AirPlus Recordings music with that, and I imagine that's probably not the only kind of music we'll have on there, considering that Justin's there. (laughs) Very true. And Joe. And Joe, right. But we will definitely, yeah, we need to put your stuff on. Well, you know, we're talking creative stuff today. We could probably play a track off of mine. Why don't we do that? All right, we'll have to pick one. And then uh, you can you can intro it for us, and we'll play it through. Very cool. All right. Well, I think that's about it for housekeeping. Anything else, Brian? No, that's all I got. Uh, that's all you got. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to our Indie Spotlight of the Week. This week's Indie Spotlight is Company Man. It is a webcomic by Frank Jordan. And it's been going for some time. And it updates, what, five days a week? Oh, one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's, I thought it looked full. <laughs> it's crazy full. He has like two or three different places that have giant squished full just overflowing with comics three archives yeah three archives yeah and each one has like a lot Ugh. but the thing is is that they're all they're all pretty much all three panel right or they all are three panel i think so yeah i didn't think i saw anything i mean even I saw the like ones. a two panel one yeah but what i mean is that they're yeah. all that same shape yeah. right so it's all the kind of three panel shape and it, it, they're very quick reads and very consistently very funny, and it's just it's just a really bunch of fun. I've been we were talking on Twitter, of course, and Frank comes on and says, "Hey, how come you guys aren't talking about me yet?" <laughs> so I said, "Good idea, let's do that." <laughs> so here we are. So uh, so Company Man comic is about the lives of the employees of the FRJ Media Group and the celebrities they represent. The antics at the office are silly, but it makes you laugh. It's much funnier than your last team meeting. That is from the Facebook page. Right off the bat, I want to warn you guys as you're coming into Company Man, it is really entertaining, but it's not real easy to navigate if you're trying to get like a huge cross-section of everything. It's not like you can just hit the first button and then go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like we said, there's three different archives, two of which are on the site, one of which is on Facebook. Yes. And, and the more recent stuff is on Facebook. Just me, or did I not find a random button? No, There's no, no random. random button. There's but that's no not, that's first not or last. real. I mean, not everybody has a random button. Yeah. I know, but they should, especially... But Joe wants random buttons. I want the randomness. I want chaos. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> so, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the story. Of, okay, before oh. we talk about the story, I have to give Frank a lot of props for this. He has a break-in-two reference with his archives. The archives two, the <laughs> second archives boogaloo. is archives two electric boogaloo. Frank, my man, I love you just for that alone. <laughs> right. I can remember when we were first talking about doing this comic, and Brian pulls it up on his computer. I can hear from the other room saying electric boogaloo, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's so so good. So, what did you guys think of, of the the company man story and and jokes and everything like that? 
there was a lot of it that was reminiscent of like reading Sunday comics for me. Just yeah. the, just the pacing and just the the quick punchline. So it had a really nice familiar feel to it. It, yeah. de- it definitely feels like a Sunday comic strip for mm-hmm. sure. For mm-hmm. sure, and there was a lot of yuck 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 sort of humor. Yeah, but th- which th- is fun. I think that I was surprised at how much the the humor really hit. It hit hard and well over and over again. You know, reading through the archives, just just next, 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 just going and going. There was precious few that fell flat or were less than like actually pretty damn funny. Hmm. So I mean, like very consistently, quite quite entertaining and really creative. He, Frank's got to be just a comic genius to come up with that kind of a frequency and have them all be that damn funny. Right. It was really damn impressive. Yeah, and it stays relevant too. Oh yeah, there's lots of cultural references and mm-hmm. references. I mean, because they're 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 a talent company, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're representing you know <laughs> famous people, <laughs> and so they're talking about uh, com- you know. And they do stuff. their funny stuff all the time. All the time. Actually, speaking of who they represent, this is one of the funniest things about this is that when they have conversations with the talent, it's some like weird anthropomorphic item sometimes completely inanimate yes. that represents them <laughs> like the one the, the two that i remember was tiger woods is like a is a is a putter and a golf cap just sitting on top of the putter mm. and then kristen they did a whole thing about twilight and kristen stewart was just a lemon <laughs> it's just the pucker face <laughs> but there's a bunch of funny stuff like they were Kim all kardashian is just a booty <laughs> <laughs> it's at first i was thinking to myself like are they is he trying to be you know, careful about, I don't know, fair use stuff and not do a likeness thing or whatever. But I mean, that's not really how that all works. You can pretty much, as long as it's satire, you can pretty much yeah. do whatever you damn yeah. well please. Mm. And they're public figures too. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, what I think is really great about that is if you went back and read this about, you know, like even maybe 10 years later and you had no idea who these people were, you know, you, you see that's a giant right. butt and you're like, oh, okay, I guess she's famous for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's true. That's actually a really good point because it is so consistently yeah, relevant with what's going on right yeah, now. She's right? a current celebrity. I'm pretty sure that's all I know her from. <laughs> yeah, that big ass in a sex tape, right? So, <laughs> Oh, there's a oh, sex there tape? I didn't a, even know yeah, that. That's how she got, that's that's how how she I, got started, frankly. She, that's how I know about her is from the soup. The Every every time they'd mention her, they go, oh, Kim Kardashian, the chick with a big ass in a sex tape. So that's how I know <laughs> her. Oh, wow. Well, there that is. Yeah. <laughs> Were there any strips that stood out to you guys? There's a general tone, I think, that, that I really appreciated in, in the fact that, yeah, it's really current and it it's about people who work with the entertainment industry, right? And and just by virtue of this, you know, the artist being an artist, you would expect a whole ton of like cutting, scathing cynicism. But actually, what I appreciated about it was it was still it was kind of like it managed to be lighthearted. Shockingly so that I that I can't really I I'm really um I'm not sure how to react other than wow that's really cool. You mean yeah. this guy actually like his jobs in the industry is what you're saying? Well, no, well, I mean no. When he makes the comic, it doesn't have this kind of cynical tone to it that like you would expect with most web comics because that's what a lot of people around our age kind of default to is just cynicism because it's cool or it's what hot what's hot in the streets. You know what I mean? And it's it's really. <laughs> Every time you say that, I can barely say I what I'm coming. It's so funny. I don't know. It's clear that he must have spent some time in an office or read lots of Dilbert or something because there's a very good office feel of just the kind of weird sampling of people that you have in an office environment. Yeah. Like yeah. like Metal Dan is probably one of my favorite characters. It, it, on, on the Facebook page, there's actually a bunch of pictures in a, in a little gallery that have a picture of the character and then a little thing, a blurb about that character and who they are and what they're about. And each one talks about each guy and it's it's often very kind of silly and humorous and, and it pinpoints something about them a defining quality and for metal dan he is creator of the scrote tote 
I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> that sounds hilarious, but I'm probably never going to find the comic strip that that has. Oh, the that, that was in it. for that. Was I happened to actually find that. <laughs> it's magnificent. Basically, Dan comes into the office and he's got this. Honestly, you know what it really looked like? It looked like the little strap thing that they had for Fifth Element. Right. Oh, right. When yeah. she gets right when she was breaking out, because it's just it's just like these little little belt, like white Bandages. belt strips everywhere. Right? <laughs> anyway, so he comes out and he's like, no longer do women have, you know, something like they no longer corner the market on cleavage. <laughs> and he walks up and he's like, he's like the scrote tote to create maximum ball cleavage. <laughs> and he's just and of course, you can't see anything. It's just from the waist up. Right. <sighs> and Connor comes over, which, by the way, Connor, I love that character. So funny. <laughs> He's the uh, he's the African American dude with the bald head, mm-hmm. right? Oh, right, yeah. Right, which I kind of feel like that might be the Frank in the comic. Really, the guy who's originally from St. Louis, right? Exactly, <laughs> has a shaved head and has a, a shaved goatee, head right? and a little goatee, right? Which, drawn by a guy who has a shaved head and is originally from St. Louis. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. You guys are off, totally off, left field. No, you yeah. think so? Yeah. Just to finish the scrote tote hilarity, Connor comes in and he's like, "Wow," and. Um, Wow, and you really felt like he needed to come in and, and wear the prototype to work in. And I see that you're completely shaved. And then one of the other characters pops in from the other room and goes, that was my idea. <laughs> it's I just it's just so consistently hilarious. I really enjoyed this comic. The one complaint I have is the uh, I'm trying to view it on iPhone 5 and iOS 6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to navigate the archives. When I was just trying to scroll, it would just randomly go to different articles. So your little touch JavaScript is, is very less helpful on mobile devices. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Which it's some. Mine, it's saying. like what was that? Okay, it could be user. Which I just I had a time with it. I'm just communicating. Four. Your fat. It's just I, the new iPhone. iPhone four. Yes, works He calls fine, my phone fat. But on the iPhone five, there's challenges on the hottest, latest. It just has thinnest, a big OS. Fastest. Your phone's a skinny bitch anyway. Yes. <laughs> She's my skinny bitch. Oh. Wow. Her, her phone just has a big OS. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that bitch. <laughs> Give me the sparkle. <laughs> Oh, no, I just did a terrible inside joke. You did. You really did. Oh, yes. so funny. <laughs> Which um, episode was... If you don't the... get it, listen to the show. Oh, listen to the show. All, yeah. That's all there is to it. Um, I also like that there are occasionally, like, today's uh, Company Man comic is brought to you by, and it's an actual real product, and it's just kind of like making fun of various things, either about it or about commercials. Like, for example, this one is... Today's Company Man comic is brought to you by Trident Layers. And there's a commercial that was out there for a while where basically this person was paying off his babysitter, I think, Mm. with Trident Layers instead of cash. And she was all excited. And so was the guy, like a guy that was working outside. He's like, I wish I was paid in Trident Layers. And so you have like a character saying... Hi, Sassy. How would you like to be paid in gum? Is that the new Trident Layers? Of course you can pay me in gum. For real, though, if you pay me in that nasty-ass gum, your ass will be below in bubbles. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. I want to be paid in gum. Thanks. Mm. That's how I... That's pretty much what I thought when I saw those commercials anyways, so it's perfect for me. Yeah, it's one of the strengths and potentially weaknesses of the comic is that it's so right now relevant. Yeah. That unless, like, obviously, well, Brian is the repository of random useless information, mm-hmm. especially involving pop culture and sports. And so Brian saw that and instantly went, I get it. I saw that and was like, uh, what? <laughs> no, I, there was another one that really stood out to me just like that. It was a woman sitting at her desk reading the newspaper. And next panel, she looks thoughtful. Next panel, she's, wait a second. Did I have sex with Republican candidate Herman Cain, too? <laughs> 
because there was like a week there that like 900 women are like, oh, yeah, I slept with him. <laughs> and it all came out at once. And, you know, that would have been hilarious if, yeah. if I had read that strip that week. But now I, it's a little little chuckle. Yeah, a little. Right. But it is in the archives. For it is yeah. in the archives. I think that before we move to talking a little bit about the art, I would say that really the only thing that like there is to criticize as far as I'm concerned is, is the way that the, the web presence is done. You know, even when the website does work well, it's, it's not real clear. When I gave Charles the website for it, there's no next and back button like there is no. on like every other web comic. It's just one. I don't even know if it's the most recent one. Is it, it is the most recent yeah, one. So yeah. So it's the most recent one. But then you have to click archives and then choose one of the archives. So you have to go three clicks deep to be able to find anything else other than the most recent one. And the most recent archive is on his Facebook page. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, I give it to Charles and... And when he got here, I said, so did you read Comedy Man? He's like, yeah, it was just that one page, right? <laughs> I was like, no. Oh, yeah, right. You're right. Yeah, that is a little weird, isn't it? So, I mean, the comic has so much going for it. It could easily be a Sunday funny. Oh, easily. Yeah. And it would just fit right in next to Garfield and all those guys, which I think is high praise, really. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, the website was is a little unwieldy. And I think that with the sort of nat level of attention span everybody has on the web, that that's a that's probably a pretty big misstep there and it needs a random button and it needs a random button yeah this is the sort of thing you could do a random button with right because there's exactly. so many definitely yeah it doesn't have to be linear so a perfect candidate for a random button. absolutely well let's see do we feel pretty complete about the the story and want to move on to the art a little bit yeah 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 okay as we always do we'll put the pressure on pinku what do you think about the art it was kind of interesting because uh some of the drawing conventions reminded me of Penny Arcade strips, of all things, combined mm. oh, with yeah. Garfield. And I'm just saying that because I looked at some of those mouths, and that's all I thought was Gabe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Huh. I definitely see the Garfield reference there. Yeah, sure. it's definitely. It's that eye style. Yeah. Well, what's funny is is that you see in the old archives the ones that are black and white and mm-hmm. like very clearly all hand drawn, not, not no computer involved, just scanned in. Right. I wonder. Which are really good, but like the art style is pretty different there. And then it almost feels like he had been developing a different art style and then was like wham and just changed it because it didn't seem like there was a progression there. It was just kind of like and now we're doing this and all the characters looked like themselves but looked like upgraded versions 2.0 yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. I really like the character design. I think that every character, and there's a pretty sizable cast, every character is very distinct. You can tell who they are. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for example, each character has some really good defining features, and enough that they were able to do a very funny little strip about Rod and Connor talking together, but they were pumpkins. Right. Right? And so yeah. they're just they're just two pumpkins, and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, this must be a strip that just deals with pumpkins talking about things, and or jack-o'-lanterns talking about stuff, and it's just relevant because it must have been pumpkin Halloween. Rod. Halloween time, right? But no, they're actually, it's like pumpkin versions of the characters, and Rod, who has an afro, had a little afro on top of his pumpkin. Yeah. But then, and I noticed that, like, I'm kind of, like, working my way into the idea of, like, understanding what's going on in this comic, and then, not that it was, what, anyway... So working my way into being like, oh, identifying the characters and recognizing them. So I'm like, okay, Rod, obviously. And then I thought to myself, wait, the other guy's Connor? How the Connor's bald. Like the obvious thing is to do some kind of hair. What they did was they made the top of the pumpkin shiny, <laughs> like his bald head. And they, they didn't even do a little goatee. Well, maybe in like the jack o' lantern, but just that little, that very same distinctive like little white line than white dot. And it's like, oh yeah, that's Connor, and it totally looks like him too. It's just. Yeah, Connor's art design. I love Connor's character design. It's so funny what you what you mentioned because if you isolate little elements of each character, like you go, okay, circle shaped eyes, or you know, like a U shaped nose, for example, you think it's really generic characteristics, but 
he still uses them and manages to create this sort of defining silhouette of each character. And I think oh, that's yeah. a really that's a really strong aspect that most people learn about character design when they're taught is that your character, you know, has to have a certain body language or silhouette that makes them look the way they look. Absolutely. And, and they're, they're and all very recognizable. And it's really cool how you do it. Yeah, it's pretty darn cool. The transition from black and white to color, I think, was really good. I like the color on this comic. It's very simple. There's no gradation or tones or mm -hmm. even like a tune shading style. There's none of that. It's just solid colors. But it fits really well with the Sunday funny look. Yeah, it, just, it just pops. It's sharp. It's clean. It's easy to understand. Would look really good printed. Yeah. Anybody else have anything they wanted to say about, uh, about Company Man? Just go check it out. Yeah? yeah? Yes. All right. So Company Man. You can find Company Man at companymancomic.com on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash companymancomic. And then on Twitter, surprisingly, at companymancomic. Woohoo! Oh, he got the trifecta. I did, yeah. Hold That's impressive. Trifecta. Always impressive. We really enjoyed your comic, Frank, and just uh, thank you so much for keeping at it so long and being so funny like this really I've, I've read a couple strips here and there when they came through and you did updates on twitter but never really dug into it like we do when we do a spotlight and i really had a good time with this one how many years has he been since 2000 2000 yeah which is oh damn. i wonder if it's been the same release rate though since then i wouldn't be surprised if it isn't i don't think mm. there's that's one of the things about this is that there's not a lot of explanation or blog or anything it's really just like here's the comic enjoy it go f yourself <laughs> <laughs> you know which is great but at the same time for, for us doing what we're doing it's kind of like needs more info <laughs> actually i don't know how long it's been going on I know that Archives 2 Electric Boogaloo, yes, I'm just using that just so I can say that. Um, no surprise there. Started in 2000. I'm not sure when the first wow. archive started, but it ended in 2000. Oh, wait. There might be a date. I can't read it. it I'm old. I'm blind. <laughs> to be fair, I was actually looking for a calendar to see what I was in for when I was reading it, so I couldn't find one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they all read really fast. There's a lot of it there. So yeah. highly recommend it. I think, I think it gets the Geek Life approval. Really enjoyed it quite a bit. So again, Frank awesome comic man very cool well let's go ahead and take a quick musical break when we get back we'll talk a little bit about how the hell to live a life and be a creative person i think it's like making a face it's i'm like, sorry that's my reaction <laughs> what is this life? all right we'll see you guys in just a minute You're listening to geek class stick with us back to Geek Life, Panda Manga's very own podcast. We will be getting into our main subject in just a moment, but first, do you hear that wonderful sound in the background? Yeah, this has become the Wub Wubcast. <laughs> one, of our, one of our lovely neighbors has decided to turn on their obscenely loud washing machine. 
With air quotes. Yeah, with air quotes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous. And if that. you don't understand how JP cares about audio quality, he has his cable box turned off right now, his refrigerator turned down. We're all sweating like dogs in here. I mean, and the neighbor has to go ruin this pristine silence. Yes, it's yeah. pristine silence. It's very careful. I, I walk around. I, I did it early on when we first started doing the podcast. I heard a sound, a couple sounds after we'd done it a few times, and I started wandering around the house when no one was home or like late at night and trying to figure out where noises were coming from and yeah. got the, I have the house oh mapped the fuck God, out. God, are like, you serious? I, I'm serious. <laughs> I know or I know everything in this house that makes noise. Yeah, in wow. your old in your old place we had the the laptop that we recorded on yeah, and we cabled were, out to another room. We bought a 50 foot cable <laughs> and then plumbed it all the way into the other room and closed the door and then we had like egg crate and we hung it in front of the door. This is behind the scenes stuff right here yeah. <laughs> there's hardcore audio qualities it doesn't yeah. make you suspicious there's something going on every friday night about this time all it's of a sudden the washing machine every goes on stupid time it's ridiculous is somebody having fun on the washing machine washing you know what it could friday be it could night. be like an apartment too what a bunch of jerks maybe it's just it you know it's so loud though maybe it's like some kind of time machine or something you know maybe we have like a uh, mad scientist that's like what, what time, time machines sound like oh, oh and why the do you know what a time machine sounds like? They're because way more high I've pitched. seen the doctor. <laughs> that was, that's With true. his parking brake? Which one? <laughs> I know, I get the reference. So good. I think it's Ninth a, and tenth. It's a couple having fun on the, the washing 11th. machine. Yo, there you go. But <laughs> when we start to hear the clunk, paper, clunk, right? clunk, it's yeah. Friday night, okay. date night. <laughs> that's, that is exactly yeah, what it is. It is. Either that or there's just some really sad, lonely person every Friday night be like, ain't got nothing to do, I'm going to sit on the watch. That just got dark in a hurry. All right. All right, well, oh. um, aren't you glad you sponsor us, Audible? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Audible. <laughs> you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life to get your free audiobook download and try one month of their very, very good service. To, I understand To drown out the... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can, the books are great, and they also were good to drown out the awful sounds from your neighbors, whatever they may be. And I understand there's a very large selection of self-help books for Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, so, um, yeah, Audible uh, has a really, really good subscription service, and you get to try one month for free. The subscription service every month comes with a credit, which is good for pretty much every freaking book in their entire library. Yeah, there are some that are, too, but I haven't found one yet here's how intense this is i actually found the most extreme example moby dick which is 60 hours of audio 60 60 that's a six zero people that's insane one the last one i got was the second book in the king killer chronicles and it was by patrick rothfuss and it was 46 hours and it's like Mm. it's still one credit that's ridiculous piece is one credit yeah, the war, war and peace. War and peace is one credit. How? Oh. What then is two credits? Uh, 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 I find out it's like was a it like Shogun two credits? Shogun, or yeah. yes. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's got to be like a, a dollar threshold that goes into the two credit zone or something. Hmm, the pro- the problem is is that you you can spend two credits on you know forty or sixty hours, or you can like buy a Seth Godin book and be done in four hours, and it's all like. Oh, it's no. <laughs> I can get stuck between a rock and a hard place. But there's one of his anyway. All right, <laughs> moving on. So, so as we always do, we try and recommend a really good book. And because we are comic book geeks, I went and picked up the very excellent book called "The Ten Cent Plague: The good Great book. Comic Book Scare and How It Changed America." It is by David Haju, narrated by Stefan Rudnicki. 
this book is really, really good. I'm enjoying it a huge amount. And actually, every single person that I talk to about it and say, I'm reading this book, it's called The Ten Cent Plague, that, that most of the people I talk to about it that are serious comic fans go, stop right there, it's awesome, I know. Yes. <laughs> I talked to Pinku about it, and she's like, yeah, that's a great book. I, I talked to John about it, and he's like, yeah, that's a great book. Like everybody, So it's fantastic. Its main purpose is to focus on and talk about the social, really crazy backlash that comics had at different times and how that affected the way comics were made how that affected free speech and it just is a very fascinating rich history that comics has in the context of actual social controversy mm-hmm. which is not something you think you think music and video games and movies and everybody's all up in arms about that but they straight up collected and burnt comic books like i don't think i mean i, I didn't know that i mean i thought book burning was I mean, especially right after the war, that's like really Nazi-esque, you know? And and, and as a matter of fact, there was a lot of newspapers, not the rural ones where this was happening, but there were a lot of newspapers with their heads on straight that were like, this is, this is in really bad taste. This is what we just, you know, fought and died to to make it stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a fascinating book. Pink, did you have something you want to say about it? Oh, well, it's just really shocking what happened back then. I mean, it is. It's wild. What really makes me sad about the whole thing is the fact that only recently we're returning to a a time where you're able to get comics in a whole ton of different genres without going, without going too far underground. And that actually didn't happen since back before they started regulating comics because, you know, uh, when you allow anything to happen, you start having, God, some of the titles from the, from uh, the twenties and the thirties were like, some of the crap crack addict from from Mars or something. Well, or no, they, 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 they talk Mars about some of the covers they had, and they had a cover of a guy who was like frying a woman's face on a on a burner, right? Like like, like you know, like on a stove burner. It's like son of a bitch. Like that'd be nasty. Now yeah. that's messed up. And there's there was some really jacked up stuff in some of those early comics. Not that not that I have a problem with that objectively artistically, but. It's not real surprising that back then, when I think we can all agree they were a whole lot more uptight than we are now, that they were doing some crazy shit in the comics. Video games. Yes, exactly. But anyway, so it's a really, really fascinating book. And sort of as an interesting byproduct of the investigation into the controversy around comics over the years, it has a substantial amount of just really interesting comic book history. A lot of the book's source material are actually interviews from a lot of these really famous and amazing people. And it's just awesome. It's a, such a cool cross section. I'm I'm only halfway through the book and I'm I'm just like loving it. So I highly recommend that you guys go check out the Ten Cent Plague, the Great Comic Book Scare, and how it changed America by David Haju. Such a good book, such a good book. And of course, if you haven't signed up with Audible for it, you can go to audibletrial.com/geeklife and get this very book free. It's a good place to start. We definitely highly recommend it. Free book and one month trial. Yeah, Again, exactly. that's audibletrial.com forward slash geek live yes after you use your monthly credit if you are so inclined you can still purchase anything else of course but you actually get 30% off that's a really good deal and keep listening to geek live to get more and more suggestions for that audible subscription heck yeah every time we've we've all many of us joe myself admin brian yes yeah we're all hooked up on audible so we all have Mm -hmm. wait wait Did did you hear that it stopped. It's gone. Oh, the it's Wub okay. Wub I'll help. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's amazing. Drop Wait, no, it's doing it again. <laughs> Wait. It's yeah. a dishwasher. I have supersonic hearing. Now, now, now it's yeah. the washer. I think they just changed loads. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So the subject of the day is how do creative professionals manage life 
outside of their creative projects and then their creative projects. And I think the, the particular challenge here stems from the fact that creative endeavors are incredibly time-consuming. Mm. Well, and I think being a creative, too, it's hard to focus on just one, <laughs> which split focus. When you focus something on, on like a laser, you get it done way faster and break to completion. Oh, yeah. But True. when you're creative, you know, and don't necessarily have a boss to force you into finishing anything, it's definitely sure. harder to and make progress. And we're talking mostly... We're not talking like the people at Marvel who go into a big fancy office and do their thing. We're talking about people like, you know, Joe and JP here who have a regular nine to five job and try and make the other things work. You know, on the side. I would argue that the people that work for that, that make their living doing comics or something like that, they still run into the same challenges because perhaps their workload is higher. Perhaps their ratio to of creative work that pays bills to day job work that pays bills is is changed but the reality is is that they have a limited amount of free time and they have to manage it carefully that's no matter where it is no matter how, what your balance is there if it's more creative work or less creative work obviously the having more creative work would help take care of some of the challenge of also progressing yourself if you're getting a crap ton of work done but even still no amount of just drawn for the man is really going to progress you past a certain point you still have to do studies you still have to take classes you still have to you know you know what i mean like there's still ways that you can enrich yourself that you can't get from just doing a job yeah you got to keep your skills sharp no matter what even i i do a lot of web stuff or yeah i do a lot of web stuff as a freelancer for a living and a lot of that actually involves still staying up with what's going on in the industry you know whether you like it or not you have to know what's you know what's uh I don't want to say what's hot in the streets. Yes, you do. That's why you said that. <laughs> you have to know what's up. And, and yes, one of the things Scott McCloud talks about in one of his books is there, it's rarely uh, a profession where you actually have to be a master of almost every single topic between physics and anatomy and sociology, psychology. All these things come together when you're working on like a comic per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you get time to learn that kind of thing. Yeah, so definitely broadening, uh, having time to actually actually learn something about each of these subjects is very time-consuming. Yeah, especially those of us that try and write anything science fiction or at least you know grounded in some sort of technology. You have to be up-to-date on what's actually out there and how it might even work if with a next-gen. It's not think- easy. And I think uh, like history helps fantasy writers a lot too. Be able to oh, dive yeah. back, yeah. So some very interesting comments when we mentioned. I'm just listening to each of you, and there's we don't have a boss. You mentioned that you have to manage. You mentioned that you have to keep sharp. You mentioned that you have to keep up to date. Mm-hmm. And that part of who you are is not the creative part of you. That's the kind of intellectual managerial boss part of you. When you have the the creative person, a lot of times, a lot of the people that I coach, visionaries, leaders, they have a very creative side. Their creativity might be a, a vision that they want to accomplish in the marketplace, but they they have to actually support that creativity with the, the boss part of them. Sometimes I'll work mm-hmm. with, you know, it'll be Mr. Fitch is the boss and John is the creative part. And Mr. Fitch will decide what we're going to work on, how much time we're going to allocate so that John, the creative part, can have the support, the opportunity to be just like, okay, now's the time for me to forget about everything else and just be creative. So you really do have to have a boss it's just it's got to be not that creative part of you. It's mm-hmm. got to be the the intellectual part of you that provides the platform for that creativity. Yeah, the resources and the time management. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because so many people, because so many people who identify as creative people 
also perpetually complain about not being very good at math and not being very good at time management, not having a hard time being organized because it's somehow that seems to be kind of a, a going trend with that is that, you know, the creative people, they're like a force of nature, but they're not, you know, they, they don't like fit everything into little Ziploc bags and laminate stuff. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it's a different perspective somehow. And it's, I think that's probably for the creative people out there. One of the biggest reasons why this is such a hot topic for them and such a, a point of, are you going to be successful or aren't you? Because this is this is what really divides, I would say, the people that really long-term have success in, in their creative work or don't, is that are they willing to step outside of their comfort zone of just the pure joy of creation and get into the, I'm going to manage myself like a boss, like you were saying, mm-hmm. Charles. Having willpower and discipline to actually execute. I mean, it goes into anything you do in life, I think. Yeah. Definitely. And you yeah. see that so much with the web comics as you get those false starts all the time someone gets a great idea super passionate about it puts it out on the internet gets about 10 strips in and totally loses their drive because they can't balance their their real life with their creative life and that's or, one, one thing i've had to learn too is how to leverage uh audience and reaction and, and engagement with the audience to keep that motivation going in over time and yeah it, it mean, becomes a, its own skill not just web comics what we're doing here, podcasts. How many podcasts have died after oh, like yeah. two, three, four, five episodes? I can't count how many I listen to that is like episode five. And this is the final episode. Yeah, that happens over okay. and over again. Yeah, I, <laughs> I find podcasts and it's like, this is, oh, that's the last episode? Are you kidding me? No, it's the first time. Over and over again, it's like that. But there is a balance with that also. The execute is to know when to... Yeah, creative people, you have all these children that are your creative projects and you're so creative you can't actually foster all of those children and you have these like sophie's choice i'm like oh my god which one am i going to kill off (laughs) no no i can't but you you cannot nurture all of those creative ideas and you have to be able to have that kind of intellectual side of you of which ones are actually going to be nurtured and which ones are going to the back burner so like i said earlier i reached out and talked to several of the comic creators be be they writers or artists that we've spoken to and become friends with on on facebook and twitter and through the working on the podcast and i'd like to read a couple things from them kind of interspersed through our conversation. The first one comes from Chris Hill. Chris Hill is of raptureburgers.com fame, which is the hilarious comic all about a young guy who decides to take over the world and in, in his journey there. It's very, very funny. So he, he has a couple things, but there's a paragraph I wanted to read of his. Chris is the, the writer for this. Okay. He says, some of the smoothness in writing, like avoiding writer's block, is thanks to the level of pre-planning and organization I did even before starting. I have a document where, whenever I have a concrete idea about what happens or exposition, I go write it in with a bullet point. Sometimes I just go down the list and hit the points when writing the full chapter. Sometimes we'll really grab onto a point and then go on a tangent. So these are some of his ideas for optimizing the creative process. Plan far ahead. Since we're doing a serial story, their story, we drop a lot of hints and make callbacks. So it's pretty critical for us to know what's going to happen. Writers. If you're not also the artist, always provide visual reference for specific demands. As it would turn out, not everybody interprets your descriptions the same way. Always keep some amount of padding. As readers, we are always irritated by comics when they miss dates. If possible, have a script review meeting with any other writers and, if possible, artists. A lot of questions come up that I never even think of as far as interpreting or doing mental gymnastics to explain in details. 
If you find yourself stuck or not in the mood to write, open up your script and look it over anyway. I've found that just the exercise of reading it has led me to rewriting a section or coming up with ideas for what to continue with. So, Chris, thanks again for coming up with some really good things to suggest. And, oh, one last thing he has got. Uh, he says, uh, another thing that uh, they ran into pretty early was having a formatting standard. And he's talking about, obviously, the writing process, being that he's the writer. He says that uh, early on they were just freestyling it. But eventually they found that the Dark Horse standards, which are available online, and they abide by that. And it really helps with there being sort of a consistency like that instead of just kind of winging it, you know, mm -hmm. which is really good. So so thanks again, Chris, uh, helping us out with your good ideas on the podcast. I'm so happy to see that I actually do a lot of those things. <laughs> Not all of them, but a lot. You can find Chris's work, Rapture Burgers, at raptureburgers.com, and you can follow Chris at raptureburgers on Twitter. Also, since really outside of bringing, you know, ego, swagger, and enormous sex appeal to this podcast, I bring in shameless self-promotion. So, Rapture Burger was our spotlight on episode 49 of Geek Life. Chris, one of the points that struck with me was... Uh, you know, deadlines and inconsistency. And I think one of the things that can really help with that is if you publicly announce you're going to do something, all of a sudden you're kind of committed to the public to do that. So they found studies that you're actually more likely if you tell someone or tell the public in general that you're going to do something, you're more likely to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a, uh, accountability is huge. I, I know Charles and I talk about that a real lot, a lot. I totally broke that. <laughs> I work on this uh, fan comic, and I'm not going to say which one, just in case anybody who's listening happens to know which one, because they follow my Tumblr and want to kill me for it. Is that the but one with the Batman with tits? <laughs> it's actually not. I think that, that's a Geek Life joking. special. Yeah. I'll keep that one in my wallet. <laughs> I made one just for her. It's with me everywhere. I'm so scared. You should see the bat signal for it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to bring the comic back in October of last year, which, wow, was a really, really long time ago. And they're still and I said, oh, yeah, the next page is coming soon. And that was then. We'll remember. Soon <laughs> Even though I said it publicly. Very, yeah, soon is one of those well, things where soon can be tomorrow or soon can be. Before I die. 150 years from now, you know, it's all in perspective. Well, in your defense, I will say that the previous year and that previous, the two years ago in that December, you started on part one, worked almost eight months straight, finished part one, and the only reason the October till now is because of that, because there's still a lot of writing and editing and cleanup and planning going on. If it was all laid out like you had part one, I think uh, it'd it probably be less going. worse, yeah. And but, it, but that's another good point by not having things put together for part two. Yeah. You have this creative break, and it almost feels like writer's block, but it's like artist block, right? Oh, exactly relevant to the email. That is perfect. I, I noticed when Chris was talking about reading over the material, if you have writer's block, a lot of our creative process is really related to the subconscious. And research has shown that, I don't know how they did this research, but the conscious mind is capable of processing 40 distinct external stimuli per second. But your subconscious is capable of processing in excess of 2 million external stimuli per second. So when, when Chris is talking about just reading it back over and seeing what that stimulates, there are, are other things you can do, like reading it over before you go to bed. You're going to have dreams about the next part of your creative process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, having a, you, you really want to, your subconscious is like a, a well that you want to, you want to prime that well and encourage it to come forward. And the way you encourage it is by listening to it, having a pad of paper by the bed, 
uh, or your iPad or whatever. So you, you actually uh, take the notes from the things that are popping up for you, the ideas, the intuitions, and that encourages more information to come from your subconscious. So different things where you can tap into that creative part of your subconscious and encourage that to come forward will really support you having a constant flow of those ideas. So would you say is that why a lot of people say, man, I was just banging my head against a brick wall trying to get this done, and then I stopped, took a walk, and then ding, the idea came. Right, because you're mm-hmm. you're trying to get the smaller engine, kind of like the, the hybrid electrical part, to do the heavy lifting of the ideas. The conscious brain can figure things out, can solve problems, but the subconscious is where those those big ideas are coming from. So if you if you actually stop trying to jam the circuits with your conscious mind and you and you let your subconscious work on it, it wants to kick in and, and come up with the idea. You just kind of have to let it happen. Hmm. Yeah, I use that technique a lot in my programming. I come up with so many different problems I have to solve in a day. I usually just take a, a nap for three hours and then wake up refreshed. A lot of stress has gone down and, and my brain has worked through the problem. And I also I said I sit down and know what to do. Though I do find I have to make sure I have all the latest details in my head. Because mm. sometimes like I don't even look at the project and I take a nap and nothing ever happens. But if I look at the details before the nap, I'll wake up and put something together while, while I was sleeping. And the other thing too is a lot of projects I've abandoned for six months or a year, I'll come back to them and all of a sudden all these huge problems I didn't even either maybe not realize was a problem that I just found a better way to do something have been solved or I have a new take on it and it helps out a lot uh, just taking a break. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, they're, they're not actually sure why we sleep, but one of the best theories they have is that we actually sleep to shut down the parts of the computer that are non-essential. So the walking, the talking, the eyes open, the you know everything that we deal with when we're awake. So your body shuts down the non-essential processes, and you're just laying there in in that state, so that the subconscious part of your brain can actually tap into more of the computer and have more supercomputing power to solve whatever problem you're giving it. So if you don't use that effectively, if you're just you know watching a TV show or something like that then that's what you're going to be dreaming about. If you're if you're worried about problems, that's what you're going to dream about. But if you actually use that opportunity to kind of prime your computer with, this is what I'd like you to work on tonight, that's what the computer will work on, and you can actually develop that muscle to channel your subconscious to create what you want to create. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, I've got another letter here that I want to read. So you guys remember the comic Lunar Baboon? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. oh I cannot Always. wait to hear what he is. Such has a favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Lunar Baboon is an amazing guy and has an incredible comic, which you can find at lunarbaboon.com. And uh, it's just, just awesome. So, so I, I'm actually just going to read his in its entirety because it's a really good letter. He says, Thanks for thinking of me. I can only speak to this as someone who has a full time job and a kid. I often whine to myself that I wish I had more time to make comics and hone my craft. But to be honest, if it wasn't for the exhaustion of parenting and the strain that puts on one's relationship, I am not sure I would have any good content or inspiration. Here's one of my favorite quotes on the subject from the movie The Third Man. So this is a great little quote here. It says, Harry Lime in The Third Man. It says, You know what the fellow said? In Italy, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo, da, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love, they had 500 years of democracy and peace, and what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. <laughs> 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 so that's, that's a really good point, and I, I want to come back to that, uh, but I'll go ahead and finish the letter first. So, actually, you know what, why don't we talk about it as we go? That might be a little more organic. Right. So, yeah. so, 
I had one more point to go off of Charles's point. Oh, yeah. Say. Um, there's actually a study I read that talked about when the input stops to your brain. Uh, it actually, your brain, they're finding out uh, the more you sleep, the better you can remember things with memory. So they're saying about talking about storage. And it's almost kind of like, think of it like a hard drive defrag or compression. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So that, w- that was an article I read recently that was, that was interesting. It's like maintenance the- mode, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So the point that Lunar Baboon here makes is a really interesting one. I think that especially writing-wise, because mm-hmm. it's specifically, I think, what he's addressing here. It, you know, we all complain about, oh, life's so hard, and there's these bills, and there's this trouble, and then and, and, and I just wish it was easy so I could focus on what I care about. But at the end of the day, you wouldn't have shit to say yeah. if you didn't have struggle and trial and challenge. Well, you know, there's a line in, a, of all things, a Bare Naked Ladies song. <laughs> <laughs> way no, to bring no, it back no. to the 90s, Blue, No, Blues Traveler. Oh, okay. And Even more 90s. <laughs> way 90s. <laughs> And the line is, or a bad play where the hero's right and no one thinks or expects too much. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood's calling for the movie rights saying, hey, babe, let's keep in touch. <laughs> and that's funny you bring up musicians because my mind jumps to that, too. I think a lot of bands start out because they have a lot of, like, you know, things yeah, that, to write about. They get it all there. Because, the, yeah. yeah, we're playing in clubs to three Yeah, people. they have the time of their lives. And when yeah. they finally made it enriched, they don't have anything to write up anymore because, it's you know, there's no the more The struggle's terrible. gone, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the stuff they write up ends up being stuff they can relate to, but not every day man can relate to, so... Mm-hmm. That's a pattern I've, I've seen in music. Definitely. I think Alice Cooper even said something to that regard where he's not, you know, an angry school kid anymore. What's he going to write about? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. 60s reference. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, Warren Spector from the video game world once saying about Ion Storm, which was one of the companies he founded or was part of. Um, he was talking about the fact that he had all, they had all these great creators and pretty much nothing ever got done and part of it was like you can't have true creativity when you just have creative basically i'm paraphrasing badly but it's he was talking about the fact that there were no limits and no kind of structure or deadlines you need some sort of constraints to have true creativity to work with and creativity Mm -hmm. loves limits yeah when when you're forced to come up with a solution to a problem with a certain limits, that's when your creativity really kicks in and comes up with some really cool stuff. Absolutely. Let me move a little bit ahead here in uh, in his letter here. So so Baboon continues saying, as for balance, there is none with kids. Your kids, family, your job, they always come first. That little bit of time that's left over is precious, and you have to make a choice of how you will spend it. But there's always sacrifice involved. The comic Lunar Baboon can be created only because I stopped watching TV and movies and playing video games and exercising on a consistent basis. <laughs> uh, I'm not militant, of course. Uh, if I want to play video games, I do. Or if I want to take a run, I do. But I often feel guilty that I'm not making a comic. <laughs> Actually, honestly, that's kind of how this whole subject got started. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the podcast, the Paper Wings podcast, or... The Chris Oatley art cast. Anyway, it was listening to a podcast with Chris Oatley on it, which you can go to chrisoatley.com and check out Chris Oatley because Chris Oatley is awesome and I'm a big fan. Anyway, so moving on, he basically says, hey, when they're talking about time management and productivity, he's like, yo, man, <laughs> these guys, sorry, he didn't say yo. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> anyway, it's what's hot in the street. It's what's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> anyway, so basically he suggested, hey, sometimes for some people, specifically talking about concept artists, and he was talking about concept artists in the the realm of video gaming saying that he's met a lot of concept artists that hide a what did he describe it as he, we had an email back and forth at this about this at one point uh, that that hide a 
productivity sucking addiction behind the idea that they need to play to stay inspired. And, you know, he's not saying that it's impossible to be inspired and get involved and pay attention to what's going on in your industry, but there is most definitely uh, addiction for these, some of these things. You can get addicted to watching just a bunch of garbage television. You can get addicted to playing, you know, something like an endless game like World of Warcraft or some giant game that just goes and goes. And I think that that's what he's talking about. And that really convicted me because I do that. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, that's that's really powerful. And so I wrote an article about it on the website and we ended up talking back and forth, Chris and I, because I mentioned him in the article. And uh, the admin came on and had a really good thing to say about that. And so I wanted to just check in with you here and pick your brain about how you feel like you can fit or how you feel like how important it is to fit still consuming the media that you're looking to produce, but at the same time, not letting it get out of control. Uh, well, the reason why I even jumped on that in the first place is because uh, what you referenced, uh, Oli is saying, his vernacular was completely wrong, and I immediately took humongous offense to it. Well, uh, I, I may have very well misquoted him. <laughs> yeah, he, he, at least from what I read, he said that designers shouldn't be playing video games because it's a distraction. And I wanted to reach through the internet and just destroy his being for <laughs> saying too. something like yeah, that. Very likely I misquoted <laughs> um, it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll just assume that it was a misquote, and, you know, there's no blood. Yeah, <laughs> I would say playing video games or whatever you get your muse from, whereas listening to music, whatever, that's incredibly important to keep motivated. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it wasn't even that. Just the implication that designers shouldn't play video games was terrifying to me because that's part of the problem with the industry right now is that you have people who are so positive that their ideas are great. They're not even bothering to keep up to date with what's going on in the industry. Yeah, I talked to you a couple of times. I, I, I came out and gave in a lecture at the Art Institute where the admin works over in Sacramento, California, and we had some interesting conversation in uh, in between classes, and she was bemoaning the fact that so many of the students aren't gamers, but they're in the game art and design major. Yeah, It's I, like, why are you here? Like, weird. you don't know the yeah. classic well, games. And, they haven't played like, first. One thing that I see over and over again without fail, and I grade students so much, I have so many damn students, is the mistakes that these students are making are the ones that they really should have learned by seeing what is currently out there, what has gone through. I've got so many students that make impossible platformers, and if maybe they sat down and played Mario for 15 minutes, they'd figure out that there needs to be some level of playability in right. platformers right. in order to make people not throw the controllers at the TVs. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not all about difficulty. It's about you can actually have fun with it. Right, yeah. but there's the right this flows. entire generation of students right now, and I guess if I sit down and think about it, age would define this. There's an entire generation of students who did not have the experience of playing Mario growing up and so they don't understand why platforms shouldn't be a pixel wide. And if you can't get it perfect, oh, well, you suck as a gamer. It's like, no, that's a really poor design choice. And you need to study the classics and things that you don't like and things that you're not interested in. And I guess that's really about the core of what separates being a gamer and being a student of games. Yeah, and that's, mm -hmm. that's piggybacking on what you're saying is that I think that it may not even be just, hey, it was before their time. Because... I can remember sitting down in your evening class, which was a little bit more, uh, more like portfolio yeah, centric, portfolio right? And so there was a lot of just coming and checking with you and you're going around and hanging out with them. And I went around and give some advice and talk to some people. And I can remember it eventually evolving as the night got later into us just geeking out about things that were coming out. And a couple of them, I was able to say, oh, have you heard about this game and what's going on with this? And this company's doing that. And I can remember sitting down with one of the most promising students in the class and saying, man, have you heard anything about Last of Us? And he's like, what? And I said, 
you know, from Naughty Dog. Who? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You don't know who Naughty Dog is? Arguably one of the finest gaming development companies of all time. Like, what's your problem? How are you? Why are you even here? More importantly, yeah. for students that are hoping to get jobs within the next year, they should be able to memorize every single game company within like three zip codes. Yeah, and so it's just, that was a little. But it was, it's just really strange to, that, that yeah. for some reason there's this disconnect. Because it may be one thing if, like, oh, I never played the original Zelda on the NES unless it was some emulator. And, you know, you've got games like The Last of Us that are all sparkly, shiny, and new that are just the, they're just a siren song. It's like, fine, I understand that. But how can you not be excited about what's going on in the industry, the mm-hmm. advancements, the cool shit coming out? It's like, how could you not be a fan of something? Why would you want to make comics if you didn't like comics? You know, yeah. even mm-hmm. if you're not a fan of something, you should be aware of it. Yeah. Uh, because that is the direction that your industry is going. And you really can't stop at oh i read the news on gama sutra i'm good it's like no you need to experience these to understand what your audience is looking for in the genre in the world of game design Mm -hmm. so uh, it's absolutely not acceptable to be like oh well that game looks dumb i only play shooters halo's the best game ever end of story I failed that student. Well, and I, <laughs> and I think there's, I'd like to argue that there's a difference between knowing who's in the current names in the industry because game studios come and go real fast. Sure, sure, sure. I've been following it for 20 years and I didn't know who Naughty Dog was. And I have several friends that got in the industry also the same type of thing. It, it's more about, like you said, following the games and actually being interested and passionate. You'd be mm-hmm. so focused and you have your head down, you don't know who made the thing. Sure. But you really love this mechanic and sure, this sure, game sure. and you love mechanic mm-hmm. and that oh, game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And once again, we're talking, there's a distinct difference, once again, between a gamer and a student of game design. Gamers, while it would be nice if they knew the name of every single studio that they're playing games of, it's fine that you don't necessarily know that. But if you are trying to make this your craft, it's the literal equivalent of not knowing who directed Star Wars. That is literally what is happening there. And it's a problem. (laughs) George Lucas? Oh, not yes. the second. Oh, he's one. a writer. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the original. Yeah, I guess he yeah. did direct the first. Part. I was gonna say, son of a bitch, <laughs> this, this get is out. Getting weird. You, you <laughs> well, should probably leave. He didn't I'm just direct joking. Empire. Or yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's, that's on recorded audio. How embarrassing! <laughs> for the <laughs> internet, it's written in ink, my friend. Yes. It's all over for and you. That's yeah. really interesting. That seems like an occurrence that doesn't happen in any other creative medium. I mean. To get into creating comics, you know comics. You've been reading them your entire well, life. I remember when yeah. we had John Fultz on the podcast, he was saying the first thing he asks anybody who says, I want to be a writer, give me some advice. He says, what are you reading? What are you reading and how much are you reading? Yeah. You need to be a voracious reader mm-hmm. to be able to be a writer. Well, yeah, yeah and I, I think it's coming through the culture of media. To, like I said, first step is copying. Find everything you like, copy it, next step. Is starting to play with it. Well, what if I change this? What would, the, would the, this, this mm-hmm. do to the structure? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly well, what musicians do, too. The first thing you do is learn how to play Smoke on the Water. Well, you're talking about <laughs> industries. You're talking about industries where there's always been a great history of giving the people who created X thing credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mm-hmm. early days, days of game design, programmers weren't allowed to be given credit. It was by this company. Well, Okay, but who Who programmed this? I don't know, some dude in garage. And actually, some of the first credits were, were secret little glitches that you'd have to find out the name like of the program. Like going to a secret room or something like that. Well, right? By yeah. picking up a secret random block in order to get in because yep. they didn't want to give the programmers credit. So it, it's not actually entirely unexpe- unexpected that the whole lack of credit thing is kind of 
coming down to this era, but we're living in a world where we can access this information, and I think people really need to be more aware of who's creating the games that yeah, actually, care so much about. I can't remember. It was either on Destructoid or Joystick. They had like a guest columnist who was writing out of anonymity who had worked as both on the production side and as a developer. Is currently working on the developer side and is just like frustrated and thinks that the industry is just the game industry is really struggling simply because of the fact that there are way too many people now who don't understand the industry or games or the history of it or anything at all. Well, it's, it's so complex, too, and there's so many more layers than there used to be. In the 80s, a developer could start a, a build the game himself, do the graphics himself, own the company himself. And that's why a lot of them didn't have credits because it was own company didn't really care right. and, and distributed himself. And all of a sudden they're micro pros, you know, and then they can next release. They put in their name, Sid Meier on, you know, games. Sure, it, sure. It's very, very different than it used to be. I think I think the take <laughs> I was going to say, I think the takeaway from this whole line of thinking in reference to the subject is that extremism is not a wise choice in any way. No. You need to be familiar with what like I would advocate that you must consume the kind of media that you are looking to be successful creating. You mm -hmm. must be reading comics if you want to be good at comics. That doesn't mean that you have to read so much comics that it screws up your production process. But I'll tell you what, you don't want to be out of touch. And if you love comics so much that you want to make comics, you should probably be reading comics because it's going to inspire you. If you want to be making video games, you should be playing video games. I'm not advocating playing, you know, 10, 15 hours of World of Warcraft every damn day. Unless you're I, trying to build a World of Warcraft. <laughs> perhaps, but I think what is so great about what Chris Oatley is saying is that we have to hold ourselves accountable and hold each other accountable because this media, all these different forms of media, regardless of what we're doing, because we're talking about creative people in general, not just one particular kind of media, it's easy to become addicted to these things. It's easy to just binge on Netflix and watch every episode of that 70s show. And that's not going to make you a better screenwriter. It's just not. But you can zone the hell out. It's easy to do. You could sit down and pop in. Like just recently, I was playing Sleeping Dogs. Came up for free on the PlayStation Network with the PlayStation plus it's a great game but it's huge it's freaking and i saw pretty much everything the game had to show me within the first you know 10 15 hours which is kind of as you do but then it's just more story more locations more places to go more things to do and it just mm -hmm. kept going and going and and it were i a game designer were i looking for inspiration and appreciation of game mechanics and it's like at some point you get diminishing gains and so it's like yeah let's have moderation but don't go out there and be like i'm never gonna play video games again. Blah, I'm never going to watch movies again. Blah, because that's not healthy. It's like somebody saying, I'm only going to drink, you know, I'm only going to eat fruit for the rest of my life because I'm fat and I want to lose weight. That's, that's, you're just looking to yo-yo back and forth. There's got to be healthy moderation. It's a lifestyle change, you know? Once again, you know, I think it, it's mostly understanding who you are when you're looking at that media. Are you studying it? Are you a student of it? Or are you consuming it for fun? Are yeah, you exactly. a fan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you're just too tired to study it. And you know that. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's shocking about the whole thing is these aren't industries that you get into because they're lucrative and you're going to have a safe future. So yeah, these are all up and down industries. You might be on top of the pile one day and then done. Been the next. Yeah. <laughs> just done the next. And the problem with that is you, you absolutely have to have every advantage that you could possibly get so through your consumption of the media that you you know want to work with and love how do you not naturally come to remember some names and how do you not actually pay respect to the people who mm. made it so you could even be there 
Because yeah. you're doing it because you love it, not because you're going to make a million dollars. It's, not, it's yeah. not like you're going to sit down at a career counselor and look at a list of jobs and a list of the average incomes and go, oh, comic book artist, that's what I want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're going to be somebody who appreciates the art. Anyway, let's move on and finish out this. We need to take a break, okay? But let's move on and finish and finish uh, Baboon's letter here. So this is specifically aimed at people that are interested in doing web comics. He says, for people just starting out, create a strip that fits into your schedule. If you only have a few hours to devote to the comic making each night and want to produce many comics a week, then cut out unnecessary things. Color, for example. I would love to sit for hours making my stuff colorful and pleasing to the eye, but in the end, I'm more concerned with the joke or message of the comic over the aesthetic appeal. Eliminating that color element and much of the detail in my work allows me to create many more comics a week than I could if I was adding color. And this is an interesting one right here. I also don't have an update schedule. It allows me to make comics when I have ideas, not just because I need one to go up the next day. My biggest fear is that I will make something I think is garbage and then post it because I feel like I have to post something. I still try to have a few each week. I just don't stress about when they come out. Thanks again, Lunar Baboon. You're just a really an inspiration, an amazing webcomic. It's just perpetually hilarious and great and really appreciate you taking the time out of your obviously busy schedule mm. to share with us some 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 sage wisdom here. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Lunar Baboon. And our Indie Audit spotlight for him was on episode forty. Yes, shameless plug for the Geek Life Podcast. Yes. We're going to go ahead and take a musical break, and as a matter of fact, I think this podcast is running so long that perhaps we'll just cut this one in half. I know you guys love slash hate it when we do that, but uh, it's only done because we're just having a good podcast and we just want to keep going and not stop. So, uh, Ooh, cliffhanger podcast. We will be back with you guys next week for the conclusion of the creative time management, I can't come up with a good damn name for it podcast. That's a great name right there. do do
It's kind of like how Commissioner Gordon lets Batman know that he's just taking a dump. <laughs>